one of my things I do at the end of like the day to kind of like help my brain, you know, unwind from whatever is I love BuzzFeed. I love okay. all things okay. BuzzFeed. So I resisted getting the app for forever because I knew it would just be this rabbit hole that I would fall down. Uh-huh. And eventually that wore down and I got the app and it is the rabbit hole. Um, but I also really enjoy watching their YouTube videos that they make, right? Because they have all sorts of series of different things. Oh, sure. And yeah. so the Try Guys are awesome. They work for different they, people now. Yeah, they're they their own thing now. Yes. But they have a good relationship still. But I actually like what I feel like is almost the like female equivalent of Try Guys, which is Ladylike. Okay. And so Ladylike has started these new videos um, called their Hot Take videos, where someone on Ladylike will share a hot take. Do y'all know, are y'all aware of what hot takes are? Yes. I'm a sports fan, and I watch ESPN. I'm aware of hot takes. Well, I yes. didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> wow. The whole sports media world exists on hot takes. Okay. Tim Tebow is terrible in two minutes. Or whatever. <laughs> I was like, oh, where are we going? No. Okay, so, so, you know, so it's a very unpopular opinion. And so I thought it would be fun for us to have our own segment of hot takes. I will start. And I feel like a good hot take. I, I was sharing this with someone the other day. And uh, Matt Molden happened to be um, overhear this conversation. And there was a verbal, oh, like kind of sound that I elicited for it. So that's a good sign of a good hot take. So I think banana pudding is the most overrated dessert. False. Yeah, I, I disagree. False. So yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the things you need to know about hot takes is that they're often wrong, but they're never in doubt. And and uh, this is I the case right da- no, now. Yeah. Right now. I, wrong. Wrong. It's wrong. mushy. It's fake banana flavoring with real banana flavor. It's just all... It, it improves you, how, upon the banana flavor. Nope, right. not how, at all. How long are you letting the Nilla wafer sit in there before it? Get, I mean, you get some crunch in there if you. If Doesn't you, matter. Do you like Don't Nilla like wafers it. on their own? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Michael. you so you feel like it ruins the Nilla wafer? Yes. Give me just plain vanilla wafers. Put it in a chocolate pudding, and I'll take it. Okay. See, we've been working with Melissa for like nine months now, and it was all working well. <laughs> I'm beginning to question things now. I don't, I don't know how this works. This is this is this is terrible. This is terrible. Oh, well, I no. feel like you have your own hot takes. I, I do. Y'all y'all started the podcast last week with this bit about Captain Marvel and and how she represents, uh, you know, our. I don't know. I can't remember because I zoned out. <laughs> because comic oh, no. book movies are trash. <laughs> they are trash. No. There is no. Why on earth do they exist? And why is every movie in the pop culture today connected to a comic book in some form or fashion? I don't get it. I don't understand it. Have we lost our capacity to write real stories about real ish people along the way? My Does everybody hurts. need a cape? <laughs> right. Like, this is- what this what is, is the deal? Are we all twelve? No. I mean, no. what? What? Oh I don't understand. You have lost no. the beauty of narrative in these. Oh uh, the no! I am on grouch, grouchy uh, old man corner right now. Okay. Hold on, hold on. What comic book movies have you seen? Mm, good question. Mm. I because you to may see have seen trash. The, right. Oh, uh, it's been a long time since I watched one. It depends on what you watch. Because, yes, like any genre of film, there is crap. 
You, you want me to substantiate my hot take? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's not how hot takes work. Oh, no. Yes, I'm it Stephen does. A. Smith. I'm yelling into a microphone. They're paying him $10 million a year now to yell into a microphone for six hours a day. Uh, and so, you know. You're Skip Bayless? I'm Skip Bayless. He's, he's avoiding the question. He I just doesn't understand good story. All right. Y'all, y'all make me a list can. of the top okay. three best ones to Ooh. watch, and I will watch them. We will come back at you with that. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Now, I'm not doing a comic book sermon series based on the movies. But why? It would be such a good sermon. It'd be so fun. But the podcast series is coming. Yes, it is. (laughs) Summer 2020. (laughs) Perfect. Um, Okay, Michael, we, you know, I um, can't take that anymore. So it's your turn. I hate to bring it back to food. That's fine. I think pretzels are terrible. I Truth. think it's a terrible snack. Like hard Truth. pretzel or soft pretzel? Hard, All pretzels? Hard, like rolled gold pretzels. What They're if it's filled boring. with peanut butter? Yeah, that's fine, but that's just, that's peanut butter. That's right. You put anything with peanut butter and it's going to be good. You go to Bucky's, was... you can get the little peanut butter filled right. pretzels that are You can really also just good. go to Walmart, but you know. But, uh, it's a part it of my special. Bucky's tradition, okay? <laughs> Every time I drive by a Bucky's, I, go, I get those, get the... I get the little caramel puff things. and uh, That was too tame, Michael. No, no, no. Pretz- pretzels, the, all they are Luke are... warm <laughs> takes. All they are are... This is kids hot chocolate level hot. Pretzels, the only thing they are are, are uh, salt distributors. Like, just eat salt. That's what you want to do. Mm. Just get a little bit of salt on your finger and eat it because that's all you're doing with the pretzel. You're just trying to get to the salt. But that's that's not socially acceptable. Well, no. (laughs) That's true. When I think about my primary use That would be weird if you walked into a room and somebody was just eating salt. Mm, Good. uh, When I think about my primary interactions with pretzels, right, they are after I've had something sweet. And you need the salt to kind of cleanse the palate okay. and start over. Like if you've got ice cream after you put the kids to bed, right? Is that all? okay? Everybody's staring yeah. at me like nobody else does this. Sorry, Chloe and Abby, we eat ice cream after y'all go to bed. <laughs> um, ice cream is a is a trash dessert. Oh no! no. no I'm kidding. Now I'm just okay. making up. I'm okay. making up. Okay. Hot, now I am being right. Skip Bayless. Uh-huh. I'm just making up hot takes. Speaking of hot takes. I think the standard interpretation of Luke 18, the, the interaction with Jesus and the rich man, is also trash. <laughs> uh, I think, in fact, that we can just say that um, in chapters 16 through 18 of Luke, Jesus is full of hot takes. Welcome to the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. I'm non-Pastor Michael. We are so thankful that you have joined us. And as Melissa said just a second ago today, we are working our way through chapters 16 through 18 in the Gospel of Luke with with kind of uh, our centering time. At least I want to get started here and we can work backwards because it really does work well this way. Um, The story of Jesus and the rich man. This is Luke 18, 18 to 30. Uh, You may have heard this at some point along the way and remembered that uh, 
This is, this is the story in which Jesus says it's easier for uh, a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And uh, I think the standard interpretation of this is just a trashing uh, of any type of um, collection of monetary wealth or any of any form, right? right. It says rich people equals lost to God. Mm-hmm. And I think there's just not enough nuance there, right? There's not enough no. um, understanding of what's really going on here. Uh, because really, the, the guy who's labeled a rich man has been faithful in many ways, right? The, the story begins by him asking Jesus, what must he do to obtain eternal life or to enter the kingdom of God? And, and Jesus says, well, you know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Honor your father and your mother. And then the rich guy goes, okay, I've checked those boxes. I've done those things. And, and then there's this moment where Jesus pushes back, right? It's as if he's spending this time reading the guy, trying to figure out where the line is. And he asks him to do something that he doesn't anticipate that he'll be able to do. Sell everything you've got and give it to the poor. Often, because of, of the way this is said, people think that it is just an equation that says, Anybody of any financial means has no shot at the kingdom of God, right? Has no possibility of being a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Well, really, when we look at this in context of the rest of, of what Jesus is talking about in the Gospel of Luke, it's just one more example of, of how our relationship with our stuff deeply matters. Yeah. And regardless of the amount of stuff we have, there's a chance at having a good re- relationship with the stuff that we have. Yeah. And I think it also, I mean, I completely agree that if we make this just about a rich man, right? Mm. If we just make it about that, then we are, we've missed the art of storytelling Mm. that Jesus has, that Jesus didn't just use in parables, but Jesus used in real life as well with people um, like this young man that comes along. Um, And it, it almost reads like you can almost forget that it's a story that Jesus is actually encountering with his life. You could almost make this a parable. Mm, yeah. um, so I think, you know, and when we're in that kind of parable worldview, we have to be willing to put ourselves in the shoes of that person. Yeah. And so maybe we do have a good relationship with Steph, but, but what is something that we have taken on and we think, oh, well, I've checked all these other boxes. Mm, Yeah. But I have, you know, but there's something you are withholding. And I love that the way that Jesus, I think, shatters that moment for the rich young ruler is through a question. Mm, Yeah. Why do you call me good? Jesus, a master at asking those questions at just the right moment, right? Those questions that push you beyond that place where you're comfortable, beyond that place mm-hmm. where you... Uh, because, again, he asked the question as the young man has checked all of his boxes. And there may be, for us, a, a time and a place in our lives where we have a good and right relationship with money, and that becomes one more box that yeah. we check. But there's something else that's out of whack. There's something else that's out of sync. There's something else that we're not willing to offer up and to give. Yes. And, and Jesus asks us that question, too, mm-hmm. right? It's as though the question is less about money and where is the line for you? Yeah. Right. What is the thing perhaps in y'all's lives 
maybe this is, you know, maybe this is a Jesus shattery moment, mm. but what, what would be the thing that Jesus would be asking you mm. that would shatter that in your world right now? It's funny. We, uh, this year in the church, we've got two strategic initiatives that we're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, one aiming to go out to be a better, uh, more fully present member of our broader what, what? community. Yeah, what, what? Pastor Melissa's leading that. The other one is a go deep team where we're trying to create communal spiritual intimacy uh, within our small groups, within our Sunday school classes, within our broader church, that deep soul to soul connection. And I walked our Go Deep team through uh, an exercise that took us from the surface and gradually brought us deeper and deeper and deeper into connection on Thursday night. And uh, I was doing my best to do a really active job of listening. Mm-hmm. Because I got to confess, sometimes I talk too much. <laughs> but at one point, Randy turned to me and said, okay, preacher, mm-hmm. where does this happen for you? Yeah. There are times when I get too focused on being successful rather than faithful. Mm. And the place where I lose my track is if my focus becomes on, is my ministry, is this event, is our church, is whatever, you name it, being successful, when the question really is, is it being faithful, Mm -hmm. right? Is it honoring God? Is it walking in the way that God is leading? Because there are many things we can do that can be successful on paper, right? Successful in public that, you know, don't help usher in the kingdom of God. Right? Yeah. We could partner with the car dealership and give away cars on Easter and have 3,000 <laughs> people here on Easter, and that could be successful. Yeah. But does that have anything to do with ushering in the kingdom of God? Mm-hmm. For me, I think uh, right now I'm, uh, my wife could give birth at any moment, so if I disappear during the podcast, that's what's happened. But, and so I think fatherhood, again, is on, is, is on my mind anew. Um, before this happens. And so this is our second child. And, uh, you know, you ask that question and, and what's interesting and what's interesting is that when you ask questions of people, it really does bring out, uh, our value systems in terms of what Mm -hmm. we think about, which I think translates to what Jesus is asking a rich man that has many things. You know, he's, he's, he's looking into the value system. Uh, where does he place the real value and true value? And so, you know, right now when I, when I ask myself that question uh, on the cusp of having two children, is that challenge of are you going to rise to this occasion on a mm-hmm. daily basis? Uh, are you going to be intentional about raising these kids? Because I think any parent will tell you uh, they're around every day. It's easy to slip into a kind of... Mm dream state with your children where it's just, they're just there, you know? Yeah. Uh, but there's a difference between just being present and being intentional. And, mm-hmm. and so that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now in terms of, of making sure, you know, I, I think I'm being challenged in that sense in, in parenthood to, are you really putting your focus into your children or are you kind of falling asleep to that? I think it's interesting actually in our scripture how before this rich man comes upon him, uh, Jesus has that moment with the children and, mm-hmm. and yeah. says uh, in verse 17, I assure you that whoever doesn't welcome God's kingdom like a child will never enter it. And, and I think about how that juxtaposed with the rich man, again, it's, it can be a value question because children kind of value just what's in front of them. And 
the rich man, if you're talking about his possessions and, and things like that, uh, we as people and, and, you know, whether or not we have a lot of money or not doesn't really matter. I think we as people, we tend to, as adults, we tend to hoard things. Yeah. Mm. And those things may be ideas. Those things may be emotions, but they can also be physical objects. They can be, you know, what or where are we placing our value where children have this amazing ability to live in a moment mm. um, and see what's in front of them and, and truly experience it in a way that we tend to lose as an adult because we, we start placing value in so many different places, uh, oftentimes because other people tell us we should place value there. Mm. It's as though the kids come to the moment without expectations, but we come to the moment mm. with lots of expectations. Yeah. Um, expectations that it fits within our value system, expectations that it um, sort of lifts us up and, and holds us up and verifies us. I was listening to This American Life this week, and, and they were doing um, a little episode on the minor injustices in the world. And, and they were starting by looking at like NBA basketball players and, and why, um, as officiating has gotten better, the relationship between... Um, the basketball players and the public with the officials has actually gotten worse, right? And they laid out all these ways that that the NBA is, is working on to make sure that the officiating is even more accurate and complete than it's ever been before. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they kind of boiled it down to is they traced this relationship between, you know, because the people who are really getting mad at the refs aren't your everyday normal NBA players, right? The people who are getting thrown out of games for throwing a hissy fit and, cussing people out and that kind of thing, are the stars, right? The people who the world has revolved around since they were nine years old, mm-hmm. right? Um, and they transitioned from, from naming that reality to a study done at Cal Berkeley not long ago where they took undergraduate students and, and set them at, at a pedestrian walkway intersection, right? Where in California law says if, if there's a pedestrian at the entrance to the walkway, you must yield to them. You must stop mm-hmm. and let them walk Right, I'm sure Texas has something similar, but and, and so they they put these uh, pedestrian uh, these students at these pedestrian walkways and had them actively lean in like they're getting ready to go, and they had somebody else there to record, and they they rated the cars that drove by from a one being an absolute piece of junk that you're worried about getting to its next destination, mm-hmm. all the way to a five being like a brand new Mercedes, with three being like an average Honda Civic or Honda Accord kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, and what they discovered as they, you know, tracked any you know, hundreds of these interactions is that um, the Mercedes was 45% more likely to just buzz through the intersection than, than the low-end car, mm-hmm. right? And the low-end car always stopped. And, and what they tied that to was that, that expectation that, you know, life should revolve around you. Right, and sometimes with wealth and with power, and sometimes just with age, right? We as adults begin mm. to come with that expectation that everything should fit us and our value system and what we want, rather than like a child coming to the table, just experiencing the moment. And part of encountering the kingdom of God is not coming with those expectations or with the the expectation that the world would sort of revolve around us, but just to encounter the moment that is before us. Mm. I think it's just an interesting uh, parallel to, to what you're talking about yeah. and, and how those things interact together. 
Yeah, um, I think it was, that was something, the kingdom of God, I feel like we've talked about it the most today than we have at any point in time when we've been going through the Gospel of Luke. And when I read through these chapters of just 16 through 18, I just saw that that language coming up time and time again. And it was in chapter 17, um, in verse 11, Jesus is about to do this miracle with um, 10 lepers that are going to come. But there's this reminder at the beginning of that, that on the way to Jerusalem and it, you, you're really beginning to feel, and I don't know about y'all, but in this Lenten season, I feel Easter coming or I feel, Mm -hmm. maybe I don't feel Easter coming as much as I feel Holy Week coming. I feel Good Friday coming. Maybe that's Mm -hmm. more where I'm at today. But Jesus is at this point where, Jerusalem is approaching faster and faster. And so then the language, I feel like, begins to pick up of where Jesus is trying to let the people know this is about the kingdom of God. This is about the kingdom Mm. of God. And so it's in Christ's language more. Um, And so we hear that right before the story with the children, right, where Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God You have to come like a child. And even in the um, story, he ends it with the young rich ruler of saying, I assure you that anyone who has left house, husband, wife, brother, sisters, parents, or children because of God's kingdom will receive many times more in this age and eternal life in the coming age. But my favorite of all of these is actually in chapter 17, in verse 20, where Jesus yet again, right? That was something we see in Luke's gospel all the time is we see the narrative, we see the direction they're heading, and there's always Pharisees along the <laughs> way. And so here's yet another encounter. You ever wonder what percentage of the population in the first century was Pharisees? Because Jesus seemed to find them everywhere. That's a good question. Uh. Because he's everywhere he went. And, and he's just, he's with the Pharisees yet again. And in Chapter 17, verse 20, Pharisees asked Jesus when God's kingdom was coming, because that's important Mm -hmm. to them. And Jesus replies, like he replied, God's kingdom isn't coming with signs that are easily noticed, nor will people say, look, here it is or there it is. Don't you see? God's kingdom is already among you. Mm. I love that. Mm. Uh, And that we find that idea of a question, but then also just this bold statement of the kingdom is already here. And I think sometimes perhaps Jesus's questions, or even when we ask questions of one another is one of those ways to take us kind of like what you were talking about with fatherhood, Michael, of going from the dream state of your children are just there to an intentionality Mm -hmm. of your Mm -hmm. presence with your child that it feels like Jesus's questions hmm. are always brought in in ways that that make us notice the kingdom of God. That instead of looking for signs of it or being able to point and say, "Here it is," or "There it is," or you know, if you go into um, Pastor Melissa's office in First United Methodist Church of Cleveland, you will encounter the kingdom of God. Like it's not going to be something as concrete as that but rather just knowing that it's already among us. And, mm-hmm. and even that statement makes it more about the relationships we have with people 
versus a physical space. Well, and every time we live the love commandment, every time we love our neighbors, we love ourselves, every time we love God with everything we have, every time we go into the world to serve and not be served, we are a glimpse and we are a participant mm-hmm. in the kingdom of God that is already at hand along the way. I, as you were, were, were talking, I was reminded of how often in life we think about the kingdom of God or we think about the kingdom of heaven, sort of this eternal life that is to come only in, in relationship to something that will happen to us after we die. Mm-hmm. And, and when you talk about parenting with intentionality, I think living the Christian life with intentionality is so much easier for me mm-hmm. when I realize what Jesus is saying in verse 21 here, that the kingdom is God, of God is already among us. Yeah. It, it, the, the kingdom of God isn't a golden ticket, right. like from Willy Wonka, to be <laughs> cashed in at the end. But rather... Or get out of hell free card or right, whatever. Yeah. Right. It's none of that. But instead, the kingdom of God is all about today. And it makes me... That's one of my favorite things from John Wesley is he used to go around saying, today is the day of your salvation. Like, mm. you can choose if you're going to be saved or not today. You can choose if you're going to live into that salvation because the promise of eternal life doesn't begin when we die and go to heaven. The, mm. the promise of eternal life begins the day we're saved. Yeah. So we're living in eternity right now. Mm. So why would we not want our eternity to already be heaven? And that is what Christ, I think, invites us to time and time again. And again, I'm going to sound like a, a broken record on this. This is grounded in the Lord's Prayer. When, when the disciples yes. asked him, teach us how to pray. Foundational to that is this notion of God's kingdom come, God's will be done, may earth become more like heaven. May the kingdom of God become more fully alive and visible and present today, on Monday, and tomorrow, on Tuesday, and every day. Not just someday, or as the song says, some glad morning, when this life is o'er, I'll fly away, right? It's not about escapism. It's a great song. I love it. Don't take that as a hot take against that song. But ushering in the kingdom of God is, is a both and, not an either or, right? This earth, this planet is not something to escape. It's something to bring life and new life to every day. It ties into what we were talking about last week with stories and how are we, are we, are we seeing those stories all around us um, in our lives, those mm-hmm. transformative stories that not only are we living, but other people are living. Uh, it's very similar to that. You know, are we, are we open to the kingdom? Cause I think those stories, uh, the reason they resonate with us because they are, they in some form or fashion, uh, give us ideas about what that, that kingdom of God all around us is. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think things, a lot of times in stories have meaning for us and hit us in just the right way because that's that's God calling out from that saying, see, I'm here. Mm. This is here. You're here.
Thank you for joining us on the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I'm non-Pastor Michael. <laughs> We'd love for you to continue this conversation with us in whatever forms uh, you feel led to do so. Comment on our Facebook page, uh, shoot us an email in the church office, grab us in person and shake us and ask us crazy questions. We'd love whatever form you want to continue this conversation. Michael would especially love to be shaken and asked questions uh, at this point in time in his life. I say that because he may not be here the next couple of weeks. We give our best to Jenny as she prepares uh, for the birth of y'all's second baby. That's awesome. Awesome and exciting. Now that you've gathered with us today, we want to give you this moment to grow. As you go into the world, I ask you to go with intention and hear Jesus asking you the question, where in your day? Where in your week, where in your life is the kingdom of God being ushered in? Where can you see that it is already at hand? And as you go, receive this benediction, a blessing that's meant to be lived out as you go about your daily tasks of the week. May you go towards the end of this Lenten journey, knowing that wherever you find yourself, God is still with you. May you go knowing that Christ is there asking you questions that will invite you to see where the kingdom of God is already among you. And may you go hearing that stirring, that question hitting at the back of your brain, knowing that it's the Holy Spirit asking you to answer the deep questions. May you go in peace this week, now and always. Amen. So I have a list of all the questions Jesus asked, all 307 of them nice. in front of me. Nice. This is going to be a bonus podcast. Uh, there's going to be extra time. <laughs> yeah, because I was getting ready to ask my wrap-up question. I've already had it in my head. Oh. Uh, I thought it'd be fun to just give you all a quick question. And without the trappings of knowing where in the gospel it falls or the context of what's going on with it, don't try and pastor this or mm. non-pastor this. Just try and answer this to the best of your abilities. Answer a question of Jesus. Peter, where are my sandals? <laughs> um, Daniel, who is my mother or my brothers? Mm. I've met your mama. That's true. I don't have any brothers. I don't have any brothers. Yeah. Michael, how can Satan cast out Satan? (laughs) (laughs) That that really, that sounds like some, like that sounds like uh, a year one seminary student is just like, man, like how, how can Satan cast out Satan? Mm. Right, bro? Right, bro. That's true. If it's a truly a year one seminary student, you have to have a craft beer in one right, hand. Right, of course. Yes. Um, yeah. yes. With what commentary? Do we have Luther with us? Do we have Wesley? Who do we have with us as we're wrestling? With Paint the picture, Michael. Paint the picture. <laughs> well, a first year seminary student, they don't need a commentary. Oh. They, don't, they, they don't need they it. They think they know everything. They got hot takes. In fact, Jesus had a really great hot take in these chapters that we read. 
and it's on the Pharisees, which we all know Jesus has lots of hot takes on the Pharisees. But I don't know if I've ever caught this one before. And it comes from chapter 17, verse 37. And the disciples, so Jesus has just had an interaction with the Pharisees, and the disciples ask ask Jesus a question of like, where is this going to happen, Lord? Where is it going to happen? And Jesus says, talking about the Pharisees, the vultures gather wherever there's a dead body. (laughs) All right. Yeah. That is a hot take about Uh about the Pharisees. (laughs) The, The young people today would say that he's throwing shade. Jesus is throwing lots of shade, spilling yes. lots of tea. Uh, it must be old. I don't know what spilling tea is. <laughs> um, yeah. 